You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. My parents always told me I could do anything I want. And that was something that was a staple in our conversations. And, you know, it really became like a mantra to me, that and keep going. And I just, I won't stop till I'm not here, right? And I think they were right. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. My name is Scott Nerney. I grew up in Warwick and have been a homeowner for over 30 years in our lovely city. My goal with this podcast is to highlight what is special about Warwick and how you can get the most from our seaside community. Our guest today is Amanda Matolo. We brought her here to talk a little bit about the marketing world and her new book. Amanda, thank you very much for supporting our podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, where did you come from? Sure. So I was born in Asuncion, Paraguay. It is the heart of South America. It's the only landlocked country, and it's one of two countries that does not have Spanish as its national language. Fun fact. Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was born during the Strassner dictatorship, which ended after 35 years and two weeks after I was born. Um, he was exiled to Brazil, and I ended up being adopted uh, to an American family, and that's how I came to be in the United States and now um, Rhode Island. Wow. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Connecticut okay. on the shoreline, so not too far from here. And I ended up moving to Rhode Island in 2019, right before um, the pandemic happened. I got laid off from a job uh, while I was pregnant with my son, and my husband had taken a job in Rhode Island, so we, we moved here. And during that time, my own business, Otraway, was born. It was a promotional product agency, and it did pretty well. I started during the pandemic in Rhode Island and grew it to, you know, over 50 clients the first year and over 100 the second year. So your, your first views of Rhode Island was a pandemic, can't <laughs> go out, can't see things, can't meet the actual people you're working with, and you survived all that. Yes, I survived to tell the tale. It was definitely stressful, to say the least. Um, my husband is from Rhode Island, so I'm very much familiar with um, Rhode Island on the weekends, and especially in the summertime. So it was definitely a major bummer when we moved here, and you know, summer wasn't the same in 2020. Cause summer in Rhode Island's gorgeous, and there's so much to do and events, and we just really didn't, you know, that just stopped. It, it, it did. Um, you know, the shoreline is still there, but it's not the same with without a bunch of people there and, and the kids and parades and festivals and everything that we do. I'm so glad to see a lot of it back this year. Yeah, um, it's definitely starting to feel a little bit more normal. And um, part of the reason why I wrote this book was because I, you know, being adopted can be challenging. Sure. Uh, emotionally, physically, just I'm the only person in my family that's Hispanic and I don't look like my family. So that was something I always grappled with growing up. And that kind of odd duck feeling can be very, you know, debilitating at times, especially when you're younger and trying to figure out yourself anyway. And I found out when writing this book that adoptees are four times more likely to attempt suicide. I've lost a couple friends in the last few years wow. from high school and seeing the impact of the pandemic on people's morale and psyche just really um, affected me. And I, I kid you not, I felt called to write this book. So after I had my second son back in June uh, 2021, 
I was healing from my C-section, starting to run my business again because, you know, as the only chief doing everything, I couldn't stop working for too long, even if I just had a baby because my, my business needed to continue. I put so much time in it that I couldn't just take a normal leave because it was just me. Right. And I think a lot of mom entrepreneurs or just mom working women can totally relate to this um, comment and sentiment. And it's hard. It's a hard balance. But I felt called to write an inspiring read for people who are struggling um, from the pandemic, just from their own lives, from being in their shoes and that loss of connection. So I wrote it in four months. I just felt called to write it and I committed to doing it. I wrote every night for four months. I was sleep deprived anyway, so I figure, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what else am I going to do with my time when I'm up in the middle of the night nursing my son and, you know, my husband's asleep and the toddler's asleep and I was just starting to mindlessly buy stuff <laughs> through Amazon. I was like, this is not healthy <laughs> and we do not need any more boxes in this house. So I, I just converted that stress and exhaustion into positive energy and wanted to put my words into something that people could hopefully grow and heal from. And while people are listening to the podcast, uh, why don't you tell us the name of the book? Sure. It's called Learning as a Lifelong Journey, Being Your Leader overcoming your fears, and succeeding in your career. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there. <laughs> it's a long title. Um, let's talk a little bit about become, being, being your leader. Sure. Um, leadership is, is really everything. And um, although not everyone is destined to be a leader, I think that everyone has some leadership qualities within them. And I think for those that have been blessed with having the leadership mentality – making sure that they're choosing to lead respectfully and in a way that empowers other people, even if someone, you know, might not have the courage or desire to be a leader. And I've experienced that, you know, as we talked um, offline, uh, being bullied at a workplace, um, it's a horrible feeling. And, you know, being treated differently for being a woman or whatever it may be. And I just don't think it's right. And some of the, I've obviously experienced many good things in business, sure. but I've also sp- experienced some pretty awful things. And the awful things are the things that I will not carry forth with me as I lead and grow my businesses and the ventures that I'm involved with, because it's just not good business. And it's just not the impact I want to leave as part of my legacy. And not taking the bad things with you into the the next version of when you are a leader to bring those to your future employees is, is exactly. a huge part. Well, and also too, I think it's a trickle down effect, right? So if you have someone leading and they're leading with an iron fist, or if they're just, you know, leading through manipulation or fear, other people coming up through the ranks are going to emulate that same behavior and it's going to become a part of the corporate culture. And I don't think that it's realistic to ask people to leave their problems at the door, right? We're human. We can't, you know, we can maybe put on a facade and fake if something's like not okay. But I think a good leader sees people for people. And one of the stories in particular in my book, um, and actually a gentleman who endorsed the book is Don Furtman. He was the former CDO of Subway, so the chief development officer. And he was with Subway for over 30 years And he, I met him um, over a decade ago. I had just gone out of college. 
I was not sure what I was going to do with my life. I was working in retail at the time because I couldn't find a job. Um, the whole idea of graduating, having a degree, and thinking I was just going to work for the NFL right off the bat just didn't happen. My, my dreams are a bit crushed when I realized adult life was way harder than I ever could have imagined. And, you know, I was pretty embarrassed that I was working this like part-time job at a retail store with a degree. And I decided to do some LinkedIn investigating. I started looking into alum from University of New Haven. And that's when I came across Don. And I saw that he was the CEO of Subway. And I said, oh, you know, this guy's not going to give me the time of day. <laughs> Don, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm so glad you did. But I messaged him and I just invited him out to go to Starbucks with me, my treat for coffee, because I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. And I, I, could use, I could use some tips. And I just would love to learn, learn your story. I'm really big on learning people's stories. And he said, sure. I was shocked, very excited. We went out to Starbucks and he shared with me that, you know, he overcame a cocaine and alcohol addiction to help make Subway one of the top two franchises in the world. And he didn't do that on his own. Um, the late, um, you know, Mr. DeLuca, the owner of, of Subway, who uh, recently passed away, he literally said to Don, I see you struggling. I know your value and I want to help you get the help you need. And there'll be a job right here waiting for you. That to me is true leadership. Um, Absolutely. And that story just really stuck with me because there's not enough of that. People treating people like people. And lifting people up around them to make all the both of them or all the people around them better people. Exactly. And, you know, some executives, especially of a big company, might have looked at him and been like, you know, you know see the door junkie, you know, yeah. and just just. Um, automatically wrote him off because of a struggle that he was dealing with a struggle that's like you know drug abuse is a huge you know epidemic in our in our society and it's ever growing so the fact that he was able to forget about the bottom line and just think about Don as a human and want to help him truly help him you know who knows maybe if he had just let him go maybe Subway wouldn't exist anymore you know maybe sure. it'd be like a case of blockbuster you know just yeah poor decisions and, um, you know, misjudgments. And fortunately for Subway, they're still here. And I think a big part of that is because of my friend Don. And now he's retired and he gives back um, in his free time in his retired life to help others struggling from substance abuse recover. And I just think it's such a beautiful full circle to, you know, that he got that support from the owner of Subway. And now he's you know, he had a successful career, a long career. He's still alive. You know, one of the things he said to me was, you know, I don't know what my, my fate would have been had I not got that help from, from him. And, um, yeah, so it's just a really beautiful story. And I think a lot of what's in this book are things like that that really make people, or I really hope that people think and don't take for granted, you know, being here and all the opportunities we have because I've seen you know, where my family is in South America. And it's just not where I would want to be. There's no opportunity. There's no, you know, you're, you're born poor, you die poor. There's no nonprofits helping out. It's just, um, it's very different. And yeah. I, I take that perspective into, you know, every conversation I have with people and every job I have. Um, 
yeah, so it's it's a uh, it, it's a good book. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I understand there's some Rhode Island uh, learning in here, and oh, yeah, some definitely. Rhode Island stories. Yeah. Um, so I have since kind of closed my business, and when I had Ochoa, I really strived to give back. Uh, my first year in business, I didn't have money, <laughs> so I reached out to United Way and I said, "Listen, I see you're doing this 401 gives thing." I've been on the board of directors, you know, when I was younger, and I said, how, how can I participate? I want to give. So I gave an in-kind contribution of 500 bucks, um, and it ended up being won by a Providence nonprofit, and they turned into a $20,000 client. And wow. so I talk a little bit about some of the nonprofits that were my clients, well, still are my clients because I've merged with a larger company, um, but Foster Forward's mentioned in it, and actually part of the proceeds or part of the profits, rather, from my book, some are going to Foster Forward, and some are going to Dare to Dream Ranch and Foster, which is a equine therapy ranch established to help combat veteran uh, PTSD and those that have experienced sexual trauma and various other, you know, things while in the military to help them heal so that way we don't, you know, keep losing veterans. And veterans from all over the country can go to Foster Rhode Island utilize the services from equine therapy to fly fishing to beekeeping, woodworking, yoga. And it's at no charge to them. It's 100% donor funded. And my brother's a Marine. I talk a little bit about veterans in the book because I have such a immense respect for first responders and veterans because it's, it's work that I don't think I could ever do. I'm, I'm not the the manual labor type of gal and anyone that's listening that knows me will be chuckling right now because it's <laughs> the gosh darn truth. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, there's a lot of Rhode Island ties to it because Rhode Island is, even though I didn't grow here, grow up here, like many people that I've met, I'm not a lifer, but I really do enjoy it. And it's definitely, you know, been a big part of my journey. Well, you can consider yourself a lifer after being here in a pandemic and now coming out of your shell from from all of that, um, it, it grows on you fast. If there's one thing you could do right now, uh, suggest to people to improve their mental well-being, uh, what would it be? So the thing that I personally do is like a bit extreme. <laughs> so you don't have to do this, but I wake up every morning and I have a routine. I think routines are really important. Mine's a bit much, so you can kind of tweak it based on you know what your comfort, comfort level is. But I wake up, I have a dance party with my boys for like a song or two. And then I read The Daily Stoic, which is a book about Stoicism. And it's really great content from famous philosophers like Seneca. And um, Ryan Holiday breaks down the, the, you know, verb, the quote from these philosophers into like modern day verbiage. Um, so it's a really interesting read. It's just a one page. It helps me think about my day and kind of get my headspace in a good place. Nice. And then um, one of the thoughts I have before I actually like, leave my room and start my day is actually about my own death, which sounds super morbid. This is the extreme part I was telling you about. So I, um, every day I think about me not being here. And that's what drives me to be such a hyper achiever because I feel as though nothing I have is guaranteed, especially when it comes to time. Um, I found out when I went down to South America to find my family that my biological grandma died at 38 of ovarian cancer. I'm now 33 years old. 
So I do think that if I had five years left to live, am I doing everything in my power to create a legacy for myself and my family? So that way there's residual income coming long after I'm gone. And am I doing the things day to day that bring me joy and peace and happiness? And if not, that's kind of how I shape my day. And it's, it's a struggle, right? Because we all, we're human. So there's good and bad times. This week was kind of pretty sucky for me. But I've developed a toolkit that helps me get through the hard times so I don't stay stuck in that, you know, whether it's anger or sadness or depression or whatever it is. I can pull myself out quicker. Um, it's a lot of, like, mind work, right? It doesn't happen overnight. I wasn't always like this, but I've gotten to a place where I won't say life's easy, but it's just way easier than it's ever been. Sure. And I'd love for other people to experience that because it's just there's so much beauty in living this way. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to follow a similar line of what did I do today to make tomorrow a better day? Sure. Um, and you can't always be fulfilling that, but when you can, uh, I can feel that inner strength coming out of you right now that you know, things that you're doing for today to, to really make a difference for what's going on tomorrow. This, this book will definitely help a lot of people for many years to come. Um, I hope there'll be follow-up books as well. I can see it in your eyes that that's a thought once you get <laughs> yeah. settled a little bit in your new role. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I feel a leadership book coming um, because I've started from the bottom. <laughs> and to be up at the top is pretty pretty spectacular. And the top um, for now, because yeah. there's no ceiling yeah. for people who want to continue to climb. Where can we find the book? So you can either get it on Amazon, or you can go to www.amandamatola.com, and that's A-M-A-N-D-A-M-O-T-T-O-L-A.com. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Thank I'm, you. On, I'm on Instagram, too. Sorry. Oh, there you <laughs> Sorry go. You Great. <laughs> Thank you for Amanda for spending some time with our audience today and sharing insights on Warwick life. It's a great time to be in Warwick, and for those not living the Warwick life, come pay us a visit. Stop by amandamatolo.com. Grab a copy of this book. It is a strong read. It'll be everything that you want to know about business, survival, family, some great Rhode Island stories, some beautiful pictures in here. I think it'll be a great journey to help you be a better person and see everything this book and Warwick has to offer. That wraps up another edition of Warwick Life on Warwick Radio. If you have any comments, content suggestions, or questions, drop us a line at warwicklife at gmail.com. Thank you to Tester Manuelian for our lead-in and closing music. She's a music major with an incredible career ahead of her. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The Voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.